Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Yes, it is. Welcome back. Thursday, July 15th, 2021. A couple things on my mind right off the top. Uh, welcoming your calls and input on any of it. Our number 602-508-0960. Here we go again. Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, said today there's about 12 people who are producing 65% of anti-vaccine misinformation on social media platforms. All of them remain active on Facebook, despite some being banned on other platforms, including ones that Facebook owns. She then goes on to say Facebook needs to do a better job of flagging these problematic posts. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting because you now have the press secretary of the United States asking a private industry, and we have been told how many times that Facebook is private and can't thus be regulated. We now have the federal government, the president's very spokesperson, telling a private company it should engage in further censorship. Now, this brings several problems. First of all, I'm not sure what kind of vaccine misinformation she's talking about. If someone is suggesting you don't or saying or arguing you don't get a vaccine, then the question has to become, why? What are they basing it on? Are they basing, are they basing it on a religious exemption? Well, that's always abided. That should have always applied. Are they basing it on them being afraid of the consequences or the reactions to a vaccine? Many people know a lot of people that have had bad reactions to the vaccine. In fact, the FDA website itself warns that side effects of the vaccines can include fever, nausea, coughing, and all of the very symptoms of COVID. And if someone is perhaps somehow not at risk of a serious COVID infection. If they are, I don't know, let's just say a marathon runner or a half marathon runner, a 35-year-old 10K runner, if you're my producer who eats uh, nothing but uh, vegetables and fish and sprints on a daily basis and has, you know, 8% body fat, Maybe you make the, and hasn't gotten COVID <laughs> in a year and a half. Maybe he wants to say, you know, I haven't gotten the symptoms of COVID. Why would I want to risk injecting myself two times probably 
where the FDA says the consequences could be fever and coughing and nausea, the like, headaches. Um, is that an irrational decision? It's not if he's responsible for his own health. It's not if he's responsible for his own health decisions and what medicines he wants to and doesn't want to take. It's not if he's allowed to decide for himself that maybe he doesn't want to keep eating vegetables and fish and he's going to eat at McDonald's in the morning and Burger King in the afternoon and cook himself a chicken fried steak for the next five nights. He has that right as a not just an American, but as a human being. He has all of those rights. Is that spreading misinformation if he says, here's why I'm not getting vaccinated? And perhaps to my fellow friends in similar circumstances, you don't want to be vaccinated. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. That's just only one objection to the vaccine that I believe to be a legitimate one, if that's a view you have. There are other there are other concerns. If you are um, if you are a young person, if you are under the age of 15, if you are under the age of nine, um, then there are, of course, the adverse reaction databases there are a whole number of reasons you may not want to get a vaccine. Is the argument for a vaccine stronger than the argument against it? You have to make that decision as an individual capable of determining how many glasses of water you decide to drink today and how many showers you decide to take this week. If you want my own view, I'll tell it to you. My own view is that the argument for vaccination is about 60% stronger than the argument against it, which is about, to me, a 40% argument. I can be persuaded, and I'm not fixed at that, just based on what I've read. But I have no interest, compunction, or desire to see fellow Americans who they don't know asking strangers in stores, as I have witnessed time and again, are you vaccinated? I have no interest in seeing the federal government mandate vaccinations. I don't think they have the constitutional authority to do so, nor do I think states should or localities engage in that. And I would join any fight against it that I could, though I do worry it would be under current precedent constitutional. And I don't want to see private corporations, though they have that right, so far as I can tell, to mandate vaccinations. I don't want to see it. I don't want it to happen. I will fight it, though I think as an individual choice, it's a good thing to do. It just shouldn't be mandatory. That having been said, when Jen Psaki wants to shut down the debate and Facebook shows all the interest in doing so, it comes with a legacy. This doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes with the legacy of the other things the left has tried to shut us up on, particularly with regard to COVID, where it turned out we were more right and they were more wrong, though they controlled the microphone. Rather, they controlled the megaphone and they controlled the lights and they controlled the cameras and they controlled the message. I give you the virology lab leak thesis as one just simply one possible piece of evidence that they have been more wrong than right when they try and censor us. How about the social 
destruction and disruption to our children's lives. We have been more right than wrong. What about the uptick in things like substance abuse that we would see happening? We were more right and they were wrong. YouTube banned. YouTube and Google banned discussions of this. Why do they say this? I was one of them. I engaged in an experiment. I was told the first time I was banned by YouTube's folks that we can only quote government sources when we speak about COVID. That's what they told us. So I played an ex- I tried an experiment. I got on air and I read verbatim, verbatim, the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services for Mental Health on shutdowns, lockdowns, and children's mental health. Is that a government source? Assistant Secretary, Senate approved, HHS, Health and Human Services? Not only Senate approved, PhD in, epidemi- in, epi- in epidemiology, MD in psychiatry, not psychology, which you can't get an MD in, psychiatry, a double doctor, quoted her verbatim and said up front, I shall now quote Dr. Eleanor McCants Katz. Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. Guess what YouTube did? They banned it. She's right. By the way, now we see 93,000 substance abuse drug overdoses. 93,000. That number has never been higher. So they try and censor this stuff. We've turned out to be more right than they have. I could talk about masks. I can talk about transmission. I could talk about any number of things, vulnerable populations. When they shut us down, be very, very, very concerned. Not only are they shutting down free speech, they more likely than not are shutting down truth because that is their legacy. That is the pedigree they come to us with the, with, with when they talk about banning misinformation when it comes to COVID. They are not in a position to lecture us on misinformation when it comes to COVID. Anthony Fauci said, don't wear masks. They can't help. In fact, can do more harm than good. Then it was mask. Then it was double mask. Anthony Fauci said we could not possibly have a vaccine within a year. We did on and on. He lied to us and said he lied to us about the numbers for herd immunity because he didn't think we were prepared for it. That's the first step, folks, when you're not prepared to hear the truth because the government tells you so on your own health, on your own health, know that they're vested in lying to you. Speaking of free and easy down the road, I want to do a shout out to a very dear friend of mine. I'm kind of an uncle to her, Maddie on her way up to Yavapai County. Great girl who makes everyone smile and gives everyone a laugh, even on a hard day. She knows nothing but joy. She's a great girl, and I just want to do a quick shout-out to her. Godspeed, Maddie, and uh, Traveling Mercies. I think you're going to have spaghetti and bolognese for dinner, if I'm not mistaken. That'll be fun. So anyway, uh, happy to do a shout-out to Maddie. 602-508-0960 is the number. Bill, do you and I have any business we need to cover before we get into the rest of the news items of the day? We're good. We're clear. We're covered. I I just uh, was about to get into something else when I saw... 
This is very interesting. Um, do you know the name Joyce Beatty? B-E-A-T-T-Y. She is a uh, member of the United States Congress. She is a Democrat who is the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. She hails from Ohio, and she, along with eight others, were arrested today for demonstrating in a prohibited area on Capitol grounds. They invaded the Senate, the Hart Senate Office Building, and they were arrested, she among them, for illegal demonstration activity. She tweeted out, let the pe-. she was there to protest the filibuster. She tweeted out, let the people vote, fight for justice. Is fight for justice more encouragement to lawlessness while you're breaking the law than telling people to march peacefully while you're not breaking the law? Who's disrupting the operations of government at that point? She tweeted out, black women are demanding our right to vote. We're marching to the Senate to send a strong message. God bless. I, You know, if black women are prevented from voting, I want to see the story on it. Um, it's illegal. I uh, would join in the protest verbally if I can't be there physically. And yet I'm just kind of wondering if these nine people who were arrested, led by this congresswoman, Democrat, I just wonder if they're going to be put in jail indefinitely. I, um, I, I, is that not the standard when you illegally march on Capitol grounds in prohibited areas for whatever cause? In this case, it's to end the filibuster. Well, the Senate wasn't too terribly disrupted, I have to say. The Capitol Police were on the job. And the Senate continued its operations, just like the House and Senate did on January 6th after that melee was over. Not excusing it, not at all. Go back to all my monologues on this. I think what happened on January 6th was terrible, and I think everyone who was guilty of trespassing should be convicted for trespassing. Everyone who is guilty of insurrection should be charged with insurrection. Everyone has said there was an insurrection. No one has been charged with it because there wasn't one. A melee of eight thousandths of one percent of Trump voters, they tell us, wasn't about white supremacy. Head of the lead group. Cuban-African in the first place, Proud Boys. I don't think it had any semblance of a notion of an insurrection of taking over the government. And I don't think it stopped democracy for more than, shall we say, the four months of rioting that took place in America's major cities beginning last summer. How long did the riot last? I don't know. Five hours would be generous. But if that's the case, it ain't five months. 
and it ain't 30 deaths, and it ain't $2 billion, and it wasn't racial, as the riots and protests of last summer were. Speaking of the riots and protests of last summer, we, if you didn't know it already, learned the phrase of the movement and learned of the movement called BLM or Black Lives Matter. A lot has been written about them. A lot has been said about Black Lives Matter. A lot of it on this show. I've spent a lot of time on this organization, a lot of time on what they have been up to and what their principles are. I have been slack-jawed at elected officials in offices of responsibility bowing to and kowtowing to this Marxist movement. Why do I call it a Marxist movement? Because two out of the three founders of the movement openly will tell you they are not just Marxists, but trained Marxists. Well, what about that third one? You know, we don't live in meatloaf land where we just measure two out of three every time, right? What about that third one? Well, her name is Opal Tometi. And if you want, I'll just play you some of what they've deleted from the Black Lives Matter website from Opal Tometi. I'll wait till the uh, – you want to do it here? Do we want to do it here? Go for it. Let's go for it. This is Patrice Coulours and Opal Tometi leading a, a meeting, leading at the end of a meeting in a chant – in a chant that they end every meeting with, a chant dedicated to a Marxist cop killer who's on the run and in Cuba. Play a little of this. Um, so this is how we um, close out every meeting, every event, every action, every freeway we've shut down, um, <laughs> every mall we've shut down. You'll hear this chant reverberated. Um, throughout this country, and you'll hear it in other countries now, too. This is from our beloved Asada Shakur, who is um, on the number one uh, FBI most wanted list, and she's a powerful leader who we are um, inspired by. Many of us have Asada taught me sweaters. So uh, it's three times, and we're going to start off with a whisper, and you're going to just repeat it. It is our duty to fight for freedom. It is our duty to fight for freedom. It is our duty to win. It is our duty to win. We must love and support one another. We must love and support one another. We have nothing to lose but our chains. We have, we have nothing, nothing to lose but our chains. And they end with, we have nothing to lose by our chains. This whispering is weird. What are they trying to uh, presage Joe Biden here? The whispering is odd, but they do it, just to save you the 14-minute video, they do it once as a whisper, once uh, in uh, full voice, and then once with the chant from the audience. It almost sounds like some kind of weird cult, but that's Opal Tometi right next to her in the video chanting for Asada Shakur, chanting the lines of Asada Shakur, the same very lines the Democratic Party of Arizona put out last year, citing to Asada Shakur. You want to know who Asada Shakur is? Maybe the worst per one of the worst people this country ever produced. I'll tell you when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. So I have the three founders of BLM leading Black Lives Matter leading a chant written written by um, by a uh, Marxist, written by a Marxist on the run, written by a Marxist on the run who has the death 
of a New Jersey policeman on our hands. They are proud to support and stand with and sing the name of Ms. Shakur, Asada Shakur, as the Arizona Democratic Party tweeted out a quote from her last year as well. Asada Shakur is a terrorist. Reading from Wikipedia, if you want, reading from Fox News, look up, look up Ms. Shakur anywhere you want. What I'm about to tell you is not disputed. Shakur, also known as Joanne Chesimard, was convicted of being an accomplice in the 1973 slaying of New Jersey State Trooper Werner Forster, who left behind a wife and three-year-old son. Shakur later escaped prison and fled to Cuba, where former Cuban Prime Minister Fidel Castro granted her asylum. She was a member of the Black Liberation Army, which the FBI describes as the most violent militant organization of the 1970s. She is today 73 and was never apprehended following her 1979 prison escape. She's the first woman that the FBI has ever listed on its list of top terrorists. And there is a $1 million reward for information leading to her arrest. You tell me other people you know have a $1 million price on their head from the U.S. government. Even elected Democrats of responsibility like the Democratic Attorney General of New Jersey, Gerber Grewal, two years ago, when it was safe to say these things, on the anniversary of the law officer Shakur helped kill, the Attorney General of New Jersey said, Today we remember the sacrifice of New Jersey State Trooper Werner Forster, who was gunned down in the line of duty 46 years ago today by Joanne Chismard and her accomplices. Anyone who knew anything about communism, Cuba, and violence in America knew who Shakur was. She's been forgotten over the years, only to be resurrected, by Black Lives Matter, not just in that chant, not just in that chant led by all three of the founders of Black Lives Matter. We needed to hear from them on their foreign policy today, didn't we? So they issued a statement on what's going on in Cuba. And if you had any doubt about the Marxist orientation, orientation, Marxist saturation of Black Lives Matter, I will just read you verbatim their statement they issued today. Black Lives Matter condemns the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans. The U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans. Got it? And urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo. This, embargo, this cruel and inhumane policy instituted with the explicit intention of destabilizing the country and undermining Cubans' right to choose their own government, remember, Fidel says he doesn't believe in elections, is at the heart of Cuba's current crisis. Since 1962, the United States has forced pain and suffering on the people of Cuba by cutting off food, medicine, and supplies, costing the Thailand, the tiny island nation an estimated $130 billion. Lies, by the way. Food and medicine not covered under the embargo. Without that money, it is harder for Cuba to acquire medical equipment needed to develop its own COVID-19 vaccines and equipment for food production. This after being lectured 
by Bernie Sanders on how much more advanced their health care system is than ours. Right. This comes in spite. Yes, here we go. This comes in spite of the country's strong medical care and history of lending doctors to other countries around the world. The people of Cuba are being punished by the United States government because the country has maintained its commitment to sovereignty and self-determination. United States leaders have tried to crush this revolution for decades. You damn bet we have. And who are you going to believe? These Black Lives Matters? Marxists, communists, anti-Americans? Or the video I saw on Amnesty International's website today of the protesters doing what one might say was a responsible thing by wearing masks made of the American flag. Who are you going to believe? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am glad the Black Lives Matter has uh, at least given us clarity. <coughs> Excuse me, clarity. <coughs> they stand with the government of Cuba and they blame the United States. They do not stand with the people of Cuba who on Amnesty International's website are protesting <coughs> Excuse me, with American flag masks. Let me give you two statements about Cuba from two different presidents. You tell me who understands the threat facing the West and who doesn't. Here's Biden. We stand with the Cuban people in their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from the decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. The Cuban people are bravely asserting fundamental and universal rights. Those rights, including the right of peaceful protest and the right to freely determine their own future, must be respected. The United States calls on the Cuban regime to hear their people and serve their needs at this vital moment rather than enriching themselves. In other words, please listen. Please listen. That's one president. Here's another. Former President Trump today. This is how you denounce communism. The proud people of Cuba are desperate to be free from the iron boot heel of the island's wicked communist regime. These incredible warriors for freedom risk everything to take to the streets in their quest for freedom. I stand in total solidarity with the freedom fighters in Cuba and the brave Cuban Americans who have watched their families suffer in the motherland at the hand of this heartless and brutal regime. The Biden administration's refusal to forcefully condemn communism and the Cuban communist regime is a national travesty. The Biden administration's ludicrous suggestion that the Cubans are protesting government mismanagement, not brutal communist oppression, is an insult to every Cuban patriot who has suffered, been imprisoned, or died in pursuit of freedom. Who gets the threat and who doesn't? Now, how often have you heard Vice President Harris or Joe Biden or members of the administration speak of the sympathies they have with those who are fleeing their countries and entering the United States from the Mexico-American border? 
you can't really count. You can't really count. It starts with every candidate for the Democratic Party's nomination for the presidency raising their hand when asked if they would offer free health care, education, and other services to illegal aliens who came to America. They all raised their hand yes. It starts perhaps, too, when Joe Biden said, I don't know why there isn't a surge to the border. It continues on from there to the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And the kind of things they have said about the people fleeing their home countries to come to the United States, including wanting to get to the root causes of why they flee, which includes, by the way, earthquakes and global warming. Okay. Okay. That's one way to view the immigration crisis at the border while denying it's a crisis. Now, what if you're Hispanic but from somewhere else trying to get into the United States? For the Cubans are Hispanic, are they not? Of course they are. Of course they are. Here's your Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, speaking yesterday to them. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. What he is telling them, Soto Voce, I suppose, is that you must come by land. He mentions the sea twice. You cannot come by sea. The only people coming by sea are, of course, Cubans. Mayorkas was very direct. When this administration wants to, it knows how to tell people not to come here. And it is telling now Cubans not to come here. They will be returned. Now, what happens to Cubans who are returned? If they are of age and left volitionally, almost certain prison, torture, or death. At least that's what Amnesty International tells us. By the way, don't take my word for it. I'll just read you what's on the Amnesty International website today. On July 11, thousands of people took to the streets in Cuba to peacefully protest over the economy, uh, shortages, and harsh restrictions on freedom of expression and assembly. What we know so far, potentially hundreds of people have been detained. Internet has been cut off. One of the leaders of the San Ysidro movement, who Amnesty International has named a prisoner of conscience three times, Luis Manuel Atora Alcantara, is among those detained. The Cuban authorities have used the criminal law to imprison and silence alternative and dissenting voices in the country for decades, along with arbitrary dismissals from the state employment as a tactic to strip people, strip people of their library, livelihood. This has created a profound climate of fear in Cuba for decades. Now, that's Amnesty International on what's going on in Cuba. Over here in the United States, Joe Biden has no problem identifying enemies and 
plumbing the depths of his thesaurus to describe them. For example, similarly, yesterday he spoke of, quote, an assault on our democracy, an assault on liberty, an assault on who we are, who we are as Americans, coming from bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies who are threatening the very foundation of our country. And because of them, we are now facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. He will say nothing so harsh about the Cuban leadership or, for that matter, the Iranian leadership, which tried to kidnap an American citizen, as was revealed yesterday as well, two days ago as well. He will have nothing that harsh to say about those enemies. Those enemies, after all, that he is describing as merchants of fear and peddlers of lies who assault democracy, liberty, and who we are as Americans, those enemies are Republicans. Those enemies are Republicans. He will be harsher in his rhetoric on Republicans than on communists and Islamists. You figure a radio host would know what to say about it. Sometimes I have to tell you, I am in fact left speechless. 602-508-0960. Help me out. A little bit of a New Jersey theme here. That's okay. Rick's in Phoenix. How are you, Rick? Rick, how are you? Are you there? I'm here. How are you, brother? Can you hear me? You betcha. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just kicking it on KNT with my good buddy Seth. Kicking it on KNT. I love it. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you bet. Hey, Seth, the word that came to my mind is sickening. Yeah, I know. And it, and it makes me excruciatingly sad to say that, but it is sickening. It makes me want to throw up what I hear by... Uh, President Biden saying what I hear Vice President Harris saying and their administration, their lies, their duplicity, their hypocrisy. It just is just when you think they can't go any lower, they do it. Yep. Yep. It's just it just is sickening. That's the that's the only word I could think of is just. Sickening. It really I mean, is. Ugh. It really is. The enemies. You know, I guess it. It gives you. You've been doing. You've had a great show today. By the way, I told. I told Bill. I said. I said. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what. How to describe it, 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 it as a great show or an enlightening show, but uh, I think the way uh, you've been highlighting the things that have been going on, everything from the Cuban situation to the to the uh, uh, Facebook business and uh even i i don't know have you heard uh the news on uh, maricopa county found uh in, in the audit found seventy four thousand ballots that had been uh turned in i guess that had not been sent out 
I heard that on the <laughs> on the Sebastian <laughs> ballots that were turned in that not but were not sent out. I like yeah. that. So people were just making them at home and they were I, counted. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the, what the details. <laughs> but uh, Sebastian Gorka reported that earlier. To, or one of his, you know, one of his people or whatever reported that earlier today. So. Uh, uh, it just it's uh, like I say, just when you think they can't go any lower, they just uh, uh, I, I look. I just, I just think it's really important. By the way, thank you for your kindest of words, Rick. I just I just think it's really important. A few of us are on this case and have been. Mark Levin has a new book on this. But when people think we're engaging in a hyperbole, talking about the Marxism steeped in the Democratic Party today, that's one thing. And the evidence is there for all who are willing to see. There's nothing quite so mystifying as the obvious for those who are unwilling to look at common sense and see what's right in front of them, Irving Crystal once said. Nothing quite so mystifying as the obvious. But Mark Levin's book, I hope this broadcast, we have been showing you. This is not a chimera of our mind or an invention or hyperbole. It's there, and it's working its way to you.